I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today is the final episode of the mini-series called Uncovering the Ancient Snare. Part 5 is called The Abomination of Desolation. It uncovers the final peace that Daniel warned would come in the latter days. First, I want to set the stage for where we are in the biblical timeline. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and Luke 17, As were the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. I want to lay out for you two stages that unfolded in Noah's day. We'll look at those, and then we'll fast forward to see if they are manifesting in our day. Noah's stage number one involved the genetic pollution of the human race that began almost 6,000 years ago. Here are the five steps in how this unfolded. Number one, 200 watcher angels abandoned the place that God assigned them, and they came to earth. Number two, those angels chose to have sex with earthly women, mixing angelic DNA with human DNA and creating a new race of people called Nephilim. Number three, these Nephilim continued to pollute the human race by intermarrying and they taught the people forbidden knowledge of how to mix one species with another through genetic engineering. This in turn polluted the food supply, and the whole civilization ended up being nourished by genetically modified food. Number four, they mixed animal DNA too, one species with another, producing hybrids. And all of this made God furious because it destroyed his created order. And number five, Genesis 6 tells us, quote, The earth was corrupt, meaning polluted or defiled, for all flesh corrupted his way, meaning God's way. The way God intended for his creation could not even be seen anymore. Noah's stage number two describes what the culture was like, and here are six things that God recorded. Number one, the people refused to listen to any godly authority. Number two, the earth was filled with violence. Number three, the intermarriages of the mixed DNA population affected everybody but eight people. Number four, sexual perversion was off the charts homosexuality, incest, pedophilia, and bestiality. Number five, they robbed and plundered each other. And number six, God had enough and started releasing judgments, hoping the people would repent. And the first judgment was food shortages. So here's the bottom line. When these two stages ran their course... God began to separate his people from the culture. Now, in studying the history of the fallen angels, I noticed how much they were involved in genetic experiments. Their own records from early civilization show that their Sumerian god, spelled with a little g, was the chief scientist in DNA manipulation and gene splicing. Now, this means this technology is not new. 
It existed thousands of years before our biblical record was written. This is part of what's referred to as the forbidden knowledge that man was never meant to seek. God knew that once it was released, we would destroy ourselves just like happened in Noah's day. But the enemy has been waiting patiently for years and years for an open door for this technology to surface again. Let's turn now and look at our generation. Today's stage one began with an alien invasion, too. In the 1950s, when beings from another world made a deal with President Eisenhower, they promised to give us their space travel technology if we would give them permission to do biological experiments on humans and cattle. Now, we have data from 1997 reported by the late Bible teacher and astrophysicist Chuck Missler, and it shows that around 3% of the U.S. population had abduction experiences in which alien DNA was inserted into over 9 million people. Now, with all of the intermarriages over the last 60 years, the spread of this mixed DNA population has grown tremendously. Today's Stage 2 is a nine-point overview that shows the same kind of increase in genetic pollution and in divine judgment. Number 1. In 1935, DNA was discovered. Number 2. In 1966, the Church of Satan was founded. Now, this was during the free love movement when young people threw away all sexual restraint. Number three, in 1973, Roe v. Wade legalized abortion to deal with the increase in unwanted pregnancies, and this opened a huge door to divine judgment. Number four, in 1980, the Supreme Court voted to allow patents on living organisms. This opened another huge door to God's judgment. Corporations poured money into genetic research to create new species, and investors got rich off this new technology. Number five, in 1982, the FDA approved the first genetically modified organism. And over the next 40 years, a biblical generation, like the days of Noah, our civilization is now nourished by genetically modified food. Number six, God holds the United States most responsible for this pollution than any other country since we are the world's leading GMO food exporter. Number seven, I believe a correlation exists between the rise in the number of our polluted DNA population and food supply on the one hand, with the explosion of perversion, violence, and corruption on the other. Number eight, in the 1990s, scientists introduced genetic splicing technology and began cloning chunks of human DNA and manipulating them however they want to. And number nine, the human genome was published, and DNA research, gene splicing, and mixing species has exploded. That, along with artificial intelligence, robotics, and nanotechnology. And corporations and investors are making billions off of this technology. So here is our bottom line. 
like Noah's day, many believers who stand firmly against this direction no longer feel safe, and many are moving their families away from big cities, storing up provisions and hunkering down as God's judgment increases. So how does this COVID vaccine fit in? In part four, I introduced my findings, showing that the vaccine is just like one of the snares that Amalek's descendants pulled off over 2,100 years ago, and how that same snare showed up during the vaccine rollout. Let me break down Daniel's prophecy in chapter 11, verses 30 and 31, so you can see this more clearly. Here's the passage as written in most Bibles. Quote, Ships of Ketim shall come against him, referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, and in his rage he shall turn against the Jews, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, take away the daily sacrifice, and place the abomination that makes desolate. Unquote. This prophecy was historically fulfilled in 168 B.C. when the Greco-Roman king Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem, he polluted the temple, and erected a statue of Zeus on the altar. Now, I want to examine the Hebrew phrases that Daniel used and interpret them metaphorically, since that is the preferred way that God speaks. Phrase number one is the ships of Katim. In Judaism, Katim refers to Rome, which delivered Hellenism to the world. The word ships comes from the word sava, which means to establish or set something in place. So whatever this something is targets Jews and is motivated by intense hatred. In phrase number two, Daniel says, Arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary. The Hebrew word for arms is zeroah, which means the arm as stretched out. The Hebrew for pollute is halal, which means to bore a hole in something or open up a wedge for the purpose of polluting. This is metaphorically what a syringe does. It bores a hole into an outstretched arm to deliver something into the body. Phrase number three tells us what they wanted to pollute. Daniel said it was the sanctuary, which is another name for the temple. Now, what does the word temple mean metaphorically? The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said in Isaiah 52, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Both Testaments teach that our bodies are temples that God wants to dwell in. So let's look at this metaphorically. Something is being shipped by Hellenistic one-world forces, using arms that are stretched out, boring a hole through the skin to deliver something designed to pollute the bodies of people. Now, this interpretation aligns perfectly with Daniel's prophecy. To confirm this meaning even more, both of these events, Antiochus polluting the temple 
and the vaccine rollout in 2020, both of them happened during the same time period on the Hebrew calendar. It was during the festival of Hanukkah. Now, to drive home this interpretation even more is that Hanukkah is also referred to as the Feast of the Dedication of the Temple. This is not a coincidence. This is God's marvelous metaphorical language at work to give us an important sign of confirmation and to impart wisdom. In phrase number four, these so-called armed forces appear to have a metaphorical meaning too. Rather than them being a literal army, the phrase could refer to an army that is invisible, molecular, and microscopic, such as the graphene oxide structures that scientists have found in vaccine vials when they are put under high-powered microscopes. And the final phrase, number five, is the part that we'll be focusing on most, and this is the part that is most disturbing. It concerns placing what's called the abomination that makes desolate on the altar. And it was this action that ignited the wrath of the Lord. The Hebrew word for abomination refers to an actual idol or the likeness of a disgusting and detestable thing pretending to be God. And the word desolate means to bring about destruction. This is what Antiochus literally did in that he carved an exact likeness of Zeus and put the statue on the altar of the temple. Metaphorically speaking, this could mean that an exact likeness of a false god is placed inside a person who is presenting himself as a living sacrifice to God, as Paul encouraged us to do in Romans 12. An abomination of desolation has to be an exact likeness. It could be a picture, a carved statue, a fingerprint, or a DNA sample. All of these are exact likenesses of a person. Now, with genetic engineering so advanced, we are able to splice a DNA gene from the blood of Satan himself, replicate it, put it inside a vial, and inject that into people. Yes, the thought is disgusting and diabolical, but what you need to understand is that with today's technology, it is doable. This was confirmed by a book I recently came across written by Nobel Prize-winning chemist Jennifer Doudna, and it's called A Crack in Creation, Gene Editing and the Unthinkable Power to Control Evolution. Now, Doudna is the one who pioneered the CRISPR gene editing technology. So as I'm reading along, my antennas suddenly went crazy when I read this sentence, because this was the missing piece that I'd been looking for. Here's what she wrote, quote, Viral vectors are one of the most effective ways we know to insert genes into a cell's genome and alter the genetic code of living organisms, unquote. Now, this is scientific terminology, so let me try to translate it. She used the term viral vector. That means the virus is a delivery system, like a UPS truck. And a virus, by its molecular structure, 
is genetically suited to carry a DNA gene from one organism into someone else's bloodstream and then alter their genetic code. What was a shock to me was realizing that inserting the COVID vaccine into people was not the end game, as I and a lot of others had thought it was. Rather, the vaccine was the means. The virus inside of it was the vehicle through which the elite could insert what they really wanted to get inside people's bodies. And what was it? I believe it was an actual blood gene from Satan himself, and they needed a virus genetically created to deliver it. Many may disagree with me, but this is my conclusion based on a lot of research. A blood gene from Satan would contain his exact DNA likeness. We know that he wants to be worshipped as God. So this would qualify biblically to be an abomination of desolation. Now, if what I'm saying is really what happened, I believe only the elite know about this. I do not believe the majority of scientists and medical experts understand the diabolical purposes this technology is being used for. And that's why Daniel warned that this fourth kingdom is dreadful and terrible. But remember, we are dealing with entities that are not fully human. They know how to pull off something of this magnitude, and those they choose to share this knowledge with are in very high international positions of wealth and power. The minions do their bidding and get rich, and the majority of people like us fall into a snare that is as old as time. Now, if this theory sounds preposterous, Let me remind you that Jesus said the day of the Lord would be just like the days of Noah. What happened then? The blood in over 99% of the people on the planet was polluted and compromised genetically by Nephilim blood, which contained the DNA imprint of Satan. This is what ignited God's wrath to bring about the flood. And this is what Amalek's snare is designed to do to anger God so much so that the door would open to destroy his people. Now, if I stopped here, this story would be hopeless. But I have good news. If you or someone you love has taken the vaccine, and this makes sense to you, I want to share some biblical tools that show how to get out of this snare. Now, before I share them, I need to explain that there are two snares at work here. One snare is especially targeted to Jews. The Word teaches us that Israel will become even more aligned with Amalek, or the New World Order, just like it did in the days of the Roman Empire. The religious community will become more and more Hellenistic, turn away from the Torah, and fall deeper into deception. That will open the door for them to receive the man of sin, believing him to be the Messiah, only it will be the Antichrist. This man will lead them in the rebuilding of the third temple. And finally, Daniel's prophecy will again be fulfilled literally when the false Messiah turns against Jews during the last half of the seven years of tribulation. Our snare is different. And that's where I want to focus the rest of our time. 
Let's use an example. Let's say a woman named Suzanne Morris took the vaccine and regrets it and wants to cleanse herself from it. First of all, she needs to know two things. First, she has to decide whether or not to have any more vaccines or boosters. There's no sense in confessing if she intends to get more. But this has to be her decision. And secondly, she has to know what she's being accused of by the enemy in order to make a proper defense. Now, Satan would most likely bring her name before the heavenly council and say to the Almighty, Consider Suzanne Morris. She chose of her own free will to look to me for her protection against the virus, not you, so I claim her for myself. Now, that would be a reasonable accusation. But here's the core of the issue. Suzanne accepted Jesus into her life and wants to follow him. But the way this snare was designed, she now has Jesus and the likeness of Satan inside of her. In 2 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul addresses this very issue. Quote, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Therefore, come out from them and be separate from them, says the Lord Almighty. Unquote. So how does Suzanne make a good confession? Now, this needs to be in her own words, but I'm going to list seven abbreviated points that I recommend. Number one, she should confess what she did and why. If she regrets taking the vaccine and trusting that to keep her safe rather than God, admit her error. Number two, she needs to verbally pull down the genetic image that may have been placed in the vaccine, and cast out any cellular, molecular part that belongs to the enemy in the name of Jesus. Number three, she must cancel every assignment that the enemy has against her, confessing God's promise in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Number four, she must place herself under the lordship of Jesus the Messiah, whose blood covers every sin, and receive the promise given in 1 John 5 that says, This is the confidence which we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the requests made of him. Number five, I recommend she go to her pastor or a trusted minister to pray over her and anoint her to be cleansed from every defilement of body, soul, and spirit. Number six, dedicate herself to prayer and the study of God's word each day and grow in the spiritual disciplines of our Jewish forefathers. And number seven, she should then go forth and live her life freely before the Father trusting that he is a merciful God and welcomes us when we repent. Now, because this teaching was heavy, I decided to make available a free transcript so you can study this for yourself. You'll find a link to the transcript in the description notes to this episode, Uncovering the Ancient Snare, Part 5, The Abomination of Desolation. Just go to my podcast page at CandiceLong.com and search for this episode. 
In closing, Romans 8 asks the question, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can a vaccine separate us? No. Psalm 138 says, Though you walk in the midst of trouble, the Lord preserves your life. He stretches out His hand against the wrath of your enemies, and His right hand delivers you. He is such a merciful God and understands the level of deception that we wrestle with every day. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Candace Law. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.